Well, hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of Surviving Empathy. I am your host, Brian Russell of Chef Bry Comedy, and you can reach me at Chef Bry Comedy on social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And uh, today, ladies and gentlemen, I'm slowing it all down. I'm getting back to my roots to uh, arrive at a place of greater comfort, clarity, purpose, and meaning. Uh, we're living in such a big, 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 big juggernaut of a world. And so what I'm uh, doing today is deconstructing who I am and where I started and my roots uh, to arrive at where we are at present day. And how do you find greater comfort, clarity, and purpose and meaning in a world that is just so big and so busy and so everything, you know? How do you simplify? How do you find um, purpose? How do you find value in yourself in a world that often uh, is ignoring us all? And so that's what this episode is about. It's about just kind of deconstructing who we are and what we are and my roots so that you can deconstruct your roots to arrive at what your life needs and when and how to achieve uh, everything that you can get uh, in order to maximize your uh, uh, sense of purpose in this life so short you guys this life and so we got to make the best of it so that's what it's all about uh today is a rainy day here in the pacific northwest so we're gonna this is the cocoa and binky episode again um but uh yeah get yourself something to drink and uh, get settled in it's a long one but it's a good one and it's much very personal one it's close to my heart and i hope you guys enjoy it thank you for joining me well hello folks welcome to another episode of surviving empathy i am your host your illustrious host the host or the ghost with the most brian russell and today you know i really wanted to um just slow things down you know um we live in such a big fast world you know and i I've talked about the world being a sociopath, and I don't mean that to generalize about all people, of course. That is um, mainly uh, just ways for empaths and and more sensitive people, uh, people without a lot of money, people without a a surplus of mental health, (laughs) who are just trying to figure out what the heck is going on out there um, and what is your place in it, you know. And so what I wanted to do today is really just reacquaint myself with my audience and slow things down and talk a little bit about who I am and where I come from and what I care about, you know, Um, because, yeah, you know, you hear me talk and some days, you know, I probably come off very um, polite and kind. And yes, that's that is who I am. Um, But some days, you know, you're like, gosh, you know he really gets into moods, you know, and it's like people see another side. And I think sometimes that might uh, turn some folks off. And that's not what I want to happen because I want you guys to see why I get frustrated, why I get stressed out and what can we do uh, when the world is, especially as empaths, you know, what, what can we do to make the world feel more real, feel more um, pleasant for us, uh, feel more comfortable and to f- just to feel like your life has more meaning and clarity and purpose, you know, because yeah, it's just, this is a gigantic world and it's so different from how I was raised, you know, and that's the thing. Like when you guys hear me talk about, um, 
society people or society jobs and such, I'm not trying to put myself in on some pedestal like I'm above all that. You know, it's just that, you know, I'm 47 years old. I'm a veteran. Uh, I've been to college. I've uh, done a lot of things in my life. I've been an EMT, you know, um, and I get no big head about any of that. You know, um, the reason why I'm here today is because of where my life went and where my choices went and what, where it just kind of helped me figure out who I am as a person. Because, um, at the end of the day, I think I've always just sort of been a little more introspective than most people. Um, I always asked why I was the kid in like third grade, fifth grade who would ask why, you know, why do we do things this way? You know, I, I was never comfortable with just knowing the answers. I wanted to know why. And so today still, I'm one of those people who wants to know why, 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 why are things the way they are? Um, because there's a lot of things in our world that we just take for granted, you know, everything from our calendar to our time to, <laughs> you know, Pacific, uh, St- Pacific standard time and daylight savings time. And how did all these things get the way they are? And, you know, and, and so I'm not going to answer all those questions, but I just want you to uh, understand where I'm coming from. So let's just kind of, uh, start with uh, who I am and what this is all about. So, of course, who I am is I am Brian Russell, and I am uh, a, an empath. Um, I am a former uh, soldier turned uh, EMT, but the truth is is that the biggest part of my life was spent being a chef. And, um, you know, what happened was, uh, is after uh, several years of going to school to become a chiropractor, uh, I just got really, really um, disillusioned by that uh, path. You know, my my best buddy, uh, you know, when I got out of the military, he was a few years ahead of me and he was living in, at the time in San Jose, California, and I was living uh, three hours south of him on the Central Coast and I was going to college. And anyway, I'm not going to go too far into that, but I, you know, what happened was, is I become, became disillusioned. And, uh, and so I wanted to figure out a path that was more my taste, my style. And, um, yeah, I just, I fell in love with food TV and food network. And, um, I fell in love with the idea of uh, food folks and fun as cliche and McDonald's sounding as that is, I was all about food and folks and fun. And I'm still that way today. You know, um, the truth of the matter is that, uh, I've always wanted to have a bigger family than I have. You know, I was, uh, raised, uh, uh, by a single mom. Uh, I'm a, 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 an only child and, uh, I was raised where, um, I got to see my dad a few times, uh, growing up, but we weren't super close, um, because my parents had divorced when I was two. And so I grew up, uh, on the central coast of California. Um, we had lived in LA when I was a small boy. And then my mom, before I started uh, kindergarten, wanted to get me out of LA because she was starting to see that things were getting a little hectic down there. And so um, my grandparents had moved uh, a few years prior to us, uh, to the central coast of California, uh, San Luis Obispo County area. And it's a beautiful place to live. Um, it's just got, especially in those days, it was just very small and uh, quaint. Uh, it's a small beach community. Um, but anyway, um, getting back to the point is that um, 
I grew up in a small town, you know, um, I had, I had seen LA and I had lived in LA and I've since lived in big cities since then. And I've visited New York and I've visited lots of big t- cities. And, but I, I went to culinary school in Pasadena, which is in the LA area. Uh, and so, yes, I, I've grown accustomed to big city life. Um, I've had to drive all the big freeways every day, getting back to and fro. Um, but you know, it's just, um, as I've gotten older, um, I realized that, uh, small town life is more for me. Um, but the problem with that is sometimes you, you limit your, uh, possibilities, uh, uh, because, you know, you may have this great big life you want for yourself and then you find that it's not really the life you want after all. And so I'll just, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself and then we'll go into why I'm telling you all this. Um, so I, I was raised uh, an only child uh, by a single mom. And a lot of times, as soon as we had enough money, we would, you know, because we ended up living with my grandparents, much of it. Um, it was not, uh, especially in an area that had a lot of upper middle class people. Um, I was teased a little bit. Um, I was a very young and uh, shy kid when I was very young. I was very skinny. Um, because I had tonsillitis and, uh, finally when I got my tonsils out, I started putting on weight, but, um, I had a good childhood, you know, um, I got to know my grandparents on my dad's side. I got to see them, eh, you know, once a year we'd go down there and visit them. And sometimes I would see my dad, sometimes I wouldn't. And, um, you know, and I had, um, my mom has a brother and sister and my, uh, my mom's sister is my aunt and she's the one who now lives up here with us. Uh, but at that time she lived in Chicago, she moved away and we virtually was out of my childhood, uh, other than the times that we would go to see her and things like that. But, um, uh, but that's, I think why I've become sort of, uh, engineered to, um, want a bigger family. And so when I talk about my empath tribe, I'm talking about wanting to meet people like my wife does. She, she joins these groups like for cross stitching and she makes friends and all these places. And she's got a really good support group. And I, I find that men don't seem to do that as much as women, women look and seek out, uh, people that are like them, uh, who share their, the same sensibilities. And I think that's really good. And I think men should do that more. It's just, it's not that we're, you know, because I have friends on Facebook and I even have a couple friends who I don't even know, uh, didn't grow up with them. Um, we, the only thing we share is a, a common, um, common likes and dislikes and stuff. And so, you know, there's a few people that I don't even know who I've accepted their friend requests and gotten to be pretty close on Facebook with, um, while that isn't quite as uh, real as real life friends and such, um, it, it is what you make it. I feel, you know, cause sometimes I get very disillusioned by social media and, um, sometimes it feels very real to me and other times it doesn't. But anyways, um, so I grew up playing soccer. I played soccer for many, many years and that's where I got, um, uh, most of my friends, um, I was kind of a shy kid. And then as I got older, um, I turned into more of a, a extrovert. I was very funny. I was very, uh, I was like Bobby Hill. I was starting to get chubby, you know, <laughs> I was, uh, doing impersonations and comedy. Um, and I love to entertain people. You know, I used to do lots of voices. Uh, I would do voices for my 
mom when we would go uh, on trips and stuff. And I'd sit there and do Pee Wee Herman or Bobcat Goldthwait or just any number of impersonations. And I could do it for hours, you know. Um, and so a lot of people don't know that about me. They think, you know, well, you don't seem like that person anymore. And it's like, well, you know, you do grow up, you grow up. Um, but I'm trying to reacquaint myself with, with myself, with who I am and what I want and what I care about. And so, um, to make a long story short, um, I, uh, we ended up moving, uh, in high school to, up north to a place called Reading. Uh, it was very, cowboy country you know and so i didn't uh, quite fit in there um but i ended up making some some good friends there and uh, my chiropractic friend he's uh somebody that he's one of the few people who i got to stay friends with all these years uh from that experience uh, there's a couple others that i'm facebook friends with but not very many uh just 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 a handful really and um but anyways um the point is that i've always been a very um Pensive child. I was a very stressed out little kid. Um, I used comedy to um, pretend that I wasn't feeling as pent up and stressed out as I was. Um, and I think that had a lot to do with just growing up with a mom who had to work a job. She was always having to go to work every day. She was very busy, busy, busy. And um, I didn't feel like I really knew what the hell life was for the longest time. You know, I just didn't know what life was. I didn't really know my place in it. Um, I was making friends, um, but there was a lot of alone time. And in that alone time, you know, uh, I spent it watching lots of movies and TV. And that's why I'm still such a big fan of movies and TV. And anybody who watch, uh, goes over to my Instagram knows that I'm all into watching Knight Rider and just things we grew up on, you know. Um, but Having grown up in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s and just on and on, the younger generation uh, nowadays, you guys who are probably listening to this who are in your 20s and 30s, uh, you don't really know how different life is now compared to the way things used to be. And maybe you do, um, but it's we're all trying to process that. And if you didn't become super... Um, famous or super successful or, or, or find your calling, um, you may still be like me kind of wondering, you know, what does it all mean? Where is life going? And, um, you know, cause life is not like the movies. We have this tendency to watch movies and think that life has this purpose and that, you know, religion and spirituality, we're always searching for meaning and purpose. And sometimes you wake up and you feel like there is no meaning or purpose. And so we have to almost create our own sense of self and our own sense of purpose, especially in a world um, that's just getting so big, you know. Um, and that's the thing I get overwhelmed by is there's almost too much, you know, and how do you deal with that, especially when you're energetically sensitive and you've got a million choices on TV and you got a million choices of friends and social media, you got a million, million things uh, to, to do with your time. And yet I find myself being paralyzed by too much to the point where I don't watch a lot of TV, um, cable TV, especially I don't watch that much of, um, we have our favorite shows like what we do in the shadows. And, um, we watch, uh, Dexter now that Dexter is back. We're, we're loving that. Um, but a lot of, uh, us older folk 
who are getting older, you know, 10 years ago, we were the younger folk, you know, and here we are the older folk. And so it's one of those things where you're getting used to being older and uh, getting used to your bosses and your coworkers and everybody around you being younger than you. And um, it's, it's, it's a maturation process where you're learning to age gracefully and you're trying to um, find uh, greater clarity and purpose in a world that sometimes doesn't feel like it has it. And so I wanted to kind of touch upon that a little um, in a bit, but uh, let me just kind of finish my growing up story. Um, You know, I grew up in a small town called Los Osos, which is translates to the bears. And a lot of uh, my friends who listen to the podcast, um, you know, went to elementary school with me. Uh, We were the Baywood bears, Baywood uh, elementary school. And uh, it was a very small and uh, intimate setting uh, right there on the coast. Uh, So we had the beach there. Um, But in those days, it didn't feel very elitist. Nowadays, it feels very elite. Uh, you have to have some bucks when you live on the, on the coast these days in California. Um, and so it, it kind of made a lot of people move away and uh, have to seek other places to live. And then some people just stuck, got, you know, some people got lucky and had money and could buy houses there. And some people just still rent to this day there, you know, because they didn't want to leave. And I don't blame them because I've moved away from there so many times. And we always ended up moving back because... Um, the world can feel like such a big place that when you grow up on the bay, as we did in this small little uh, 15,000 people community, um, it just has a sense of timelessness. And so anytime I have dreams, every time I uh, picture things, I always end up dreaming and picturing of Los Osos because it's, it's really where my heart of hearts is. It's the one place that has changed very little uh, despite all the change in the world, and it gives me um, sort of a, a a point of of, of clarity where, it, it, you know, I go there. We were just there a few weeks ago um, on vacation, and uh, that's where I did my barbecuing with my, with my best friend. And uh, it just gives you this sense of clarity when you go back to your childhood home and childhood uh, town. Um, but uh, it, it can also be bittersweet too, because you start missing it and you start missing the people. And sometimes you start wondering whether or not, you know, living somewhere else is really worth it because yes, it's cheaper to live, but it's getting expensive everywhere. And so, you know, in the friends you make later, I just haven't made any long lasting deep friends, um, like I had growing up. And so the friends that you grew up with or the friends that you have as adults, um, and sometimes you have falling out, you know, I have a falling out with a friend named Corey because he's a Trumper and he's just, you know, he, 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 he judges you because you're not, you know, you're not like him. You don't share his political philosophies and, and it's unfortunate. You, you end up losing friends that way. And it's too bad because truth is, is I, my other friend, Craig is that way too. He's conservative and we get along fine. So I, I don't know. It just depends on their personality. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just want to slow things down today because I want you guys to understand that um, I grew up in such a way where, you know, much of my childhood was me just trying to figure out why things are the way they are and who, what is the point of all this? You know, um, it, it was a much smaller, simpler town and in much smaller, simpler times. Um, and I what, I didn't have a lot of people in my life um, influencing me to go be successful because in those days people just 
worked, you know, the success, what was that, you know? And so nowadays here we are in this big sort of juggernaut world where it's pulling you in a lot of different directions and it can create a lot of different types of personalities and it can create a lot of different types of um, value systems, you know? Um, And, and so when I'm doing this show, I wonder if people are relating to me or not, because I'm trying to be, as simple and relatable as possible. But um, when you say things with a certain sense of attitude, you wonder if people are getting understanding that you're not coming from a weird or hateful or dark place, you know, because we do live in a world now that's so tribal. It's so very tribal, you know, and that could be uh, our socioeconomics. It could be our politics. It could be our religion or spirituality, um, and all those differences uh, is what makes us all, all so different. And so when I'm watching TV, for example, I don't connect with a lot of TV shows now, not because um, I have any hateful agenda towards them, but because they don't feel real to me. Um, uh, things that don't feel real to an empath just turn empaths off. And so you just kind of look for things that are more meaningful. And so you end up like a lot of people with depression, for example, end up um, gravitating towards um, weirder things. Sometimes they they gravitate towards uh, nostalgia, old fat old things from the past. Um, and a lot a lot of times, people like uh, with depression or empaths or introverts are searching for things that have a, mu- a more rich uh, a meaning to it. You know, so a lot of shows that have greater uh, psychological meaning and you know so that could be shows like well like dexter you know even though he was a a serial killer uh, he talks very much a lot about his childhood and he talks very much about his inner monologue and how he feels about being an alien on this planet you know and that's where a lot of us people even though we're not killers of course uh hopefully not uh, I know I'm not, um, but but you relate to his character because you relate to his sense of feeling absolutely foreign to this planet. You know, he he describes himself as an alien looking in uh, at human behavior, like what the hell, you know. And I think a lot of us are getting that way, where we're just we see our politics, we see our celebrity culture. Um, nobody really knows really. W- you know, what's going on and what's the purpose of this and why is it all so big? And, you know, it's just, it, it grows um, dumbfounding and baffling uh, what the point of all this is. Um, and that's why I think, that's why I don't judge people who need religion or spirituality. Um, I need spirituality. I am an atheist, but I, I, I want to believe that there's a higher power and I try to believe that there's a higher power. I just don't go for the whole Bible thing. And it's no disrespect to people who are who are religious, you know, um, it's just one of those things where I'm searching for my purpose and my clarity. And so whatever works for you guys, um, is great is fine. I mean, that's the whole point of my show is promoting, um, you know, that we all are different, uh, promoting, celebrating this, that, that there are just different types of people, different strokes for different folks, as they say. And, um, and that is what I try to celebrate is diversity um, and and differences. And and so when I talk about people in the negative, um, so, talking about society, people and whatnot, I'm not saying they are incapable of changing into people that I can identify with. I'm saying, though, in its current configuration, 
some people you just aren't going to relate to until they um, gain a certain um, humanity um, where they you can relate to these people, you know, because there's a lot of people, like I said, they're just plugged into that machine out there. And um, <clears throat> for us people who are fine, you know, who are a little more um, introspective, a little bit more thoughtful, a little bit more uh, depressed and m- melancholy um, for uh, introverts and uh, hypersensitives and, and empaths, all those kinds of people are feeling left behind in a culture that's all moving so fast. And um, as it becomes more dysfunctional, as it becomes more um, divisive and uh, tribal, we're all trying to search for answers, you know. Um, But anyway, uh, getting back to it is that I became a a chef for many years um, and uh, I just wasn't finding my niche, you know. All it became was like, you're a really talented person with this culinary degree and you would find all these rich people um, or, or restaurants already that existed who just wanted to take advantage of you. Uh, you know, I, I, I've started a few restaurants. I've helped create the menu in several restaurants. Um, and then uh, once they got uh, off the ground and going, if you didn't feel like uh, you were thriving there or feeling accepted there, a lot of times what would happen is you would grow disillusioned and end up leaving or they would fire you once they didn't need you anymore. In other words, they would take all of your recipes and say, thanks, bye, once they felt comfortable without you because they didn't want to have to pay for your expertise. And um, uh, yeah, sure, at the time that made me very uh, cynical and um, jaded. You know, and that's the thing these days is that um, – you can't be a 47-year-old person without being a little bit jaded, without being a little bit cynical. Um, and that's where I developed uh, my, uh, you know, because I was a Christian for, you know, many, many years. I was a born-again Christian. I, I wasn't raised in religion. I, I had sampled church from neighbors and friends and stuff, and I had nothing against it. You know, even up to 10 years ago, we were going to church at Christmas just to you know, say a little vigil and, and then be out on our way. And so I had never had any disrespect for religion. In fact, it's always sort of been in my life in some capacity, but, um, but as, as the world gets bigger and as the world gets crazier, um, as you stop feeling like you're a part of things, you start really starting to assess who you are and what this world is and what it isn't. And, um, what I can tell you is that you you do grow jaded and and then but you can't live jaded forever. I mean you can, but anybody who's trying to succeed in life, anybody who's trying to um, be a better person, you know nobody wants to age like a vinegar. We all want to age like a fine wine. you know we want to um, <clears throat> we want to follow in the footsteps of our heroes and our idols, whoever that may be. It could be a teacher or a professor, it could be um, a celebrity, uh, you know, like I, I, there's a lot of celebrities while I don't always love celebrity culture because of the wealth inequality, um, and the cultural, uh, inequality, uh, and the lacking of making bolder, uh, steps towards equality while some of those things get, um, ignored in our celebrity cultural zeitgeist. Um, I still grew up in the same world you guys did. I still have people that I swoon over, you know, like Bruce Campbell or 
Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, at least in a workout capacity, they're not really my, um, they're not, they're, they're not my intellectual heroes. Those are, uh, I, those, that's more like Chris Cornell. Um, uh, I love uh, Anthony Bourdain or I used to. And uh, I noticed that a lot of the people that I love uh, have since passed away. And it, it started making me realize that, wow, maybe I do have a dark heart. Maybe I do have a dark soul. Um, and, but, but where that dark soul comes from is a place of getting jaded. You grow cynical and why do you grow cynical? Well, because frankly, um, at 47, I still have to go apply for the same jobs uh, that I was applying for in my 20s and 30s, even as a teenager. You know, when you see that the world isn't really um, growing to your liking, um, you don't want to live cynically. You don't want to be jaded. Um, but you see that the economy still has low wages still hasn't caught up with the times. The cost of living is outrageous. And so while I'm not trying to depress anybody, um, you do get to a point where you start to wonder what in the hell is the purpose of life? And so, you know, I, I went through this sort of pre-midlife crisis and I call it pre-midlife because I wasn't quite a, a midlifer yet. Uh, I'm getting to be there now, but um, even 10 years ago, I was having uh, this um, crisis of faith. Um, I started to really question whether or not God was a real thing. And if he was, why was he so indifferent to my needs? Um, I prayed, I'd done everything right. I've always been a good person. Um, I was never a perfect person. You know, um, I partied when I was in my youth. I was a little bit of a wild child, you know, I drank and smoked and all that and smoked pot and, uh, but, but I, I gave all that stuff up for a, a cleaner life, you know? And uh, now that I'm older, I'm trying to find still purpose and clarity in a world that um, often I don't feel like I'm a part of, you know, um, and that's not because uh, I can't go out there into it. I, I can. But when you don't see jobs to your liking, when you don't see pay to your liking, when you don't see people to your liking, um, it starts to make you wonder, what the fuck am I even doing here? Like I said, you guys, I... I've been to a disco party in the seventies. I've been around. I've seen things that most people haven't seen from my military uh, experience. And, and, and there's no ego in any of that. There is zero ego. People like to think that there's, there's like, I have this tremendous ego. No, it's not about ego at all. I'm a very humble person. Um, it's about, um, why is this world still trying to smush me into a and mold me into a thing that I'm not? You know, um, the one thing about the way things used to be is that in some ways they were more innocent and simple, but in other ways, um, they were dirtier and grimier and more renegade, you know, and, and, you know, when you watch like old documentaries about the way people became famous, uh, in directors making renegade movies, on the fly and how they had to break all these rules and bend all these rules to get there. And the way people, you know, celebrities had to lie to, to get, uh, to get a part or, you know, it was just different times. And so uh, in some ways the world was simpler, but in some ways the world was a little bit dirtier and grimier. I mean, if you look at New York city in the eighties and nineties, it was, or the, at least the eighties, it was pretty bad, you know, and then the, it got cleaned up. And so as our society cleaned up its act. Um, uh, it 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 changed and shifted our 
our our culture and our value system to the point where I think more people are probably um, cleaner uh, people, gentler living people, more sensible and uh, more sophisticated and more gentle. Um, in some ways, uh, that has created a counterculture too, though. And that's why I think right-wing culture is so anti this and anti that is that they think the world is turning into a bunch of pussies. You know, that's what they would say. Um, I tend to believe that, yes, the world is becoming a little too safe in some ways, but humans require safety. You know, I I want the world to be safe, but I also want the world to feel uh, functional. And so the functionality of life is, is one of those things that you question over time, you know, um, is has the world become more functional or less, you know, because just because it's become uh, cleaner and safer doesn't necessarily become more functional. And so, yeah, I, I, I find myself uh, asking the tough questions of has the world gotten better or, or is it simply looking better? We have better, cleaner, you know, schools. We have better, cleaner looking buildings. We have nicer, newer houses or clothes look better, <laughs> you know, um, but has that, has that softened us or weakened us as a society? Uh, has that made life feel more fake? Um, you know, it just depends on your circumstances, you know? Um, for me, I, I, I like the fact that the world is getting uh, gent- gentler and uh, cleaner and, and, uh, just more, um, just paying more attention to humanitarian stuff. Um, but at the same time, you know, like, I, like for example, yesterday I was thinking about, um, I was watching this thing and this guy was talking about, well, if we're an overpopulated society, why would we want, you know, to have COVID vaccine save everybody? And the two people that were, uh, he was talking to, uh, it was this YouTube video. They're like, what? You know, he was entering sociopathic territory where he was talking about why would we want to save people if the world is so overpopulated? And the thing is, is like, I believe the world is overpopulated too. But the thing is, is that you can't, you can't stop progress or you don't, you don't, you don't remove safety so that less people uh, live, you know, you, you still have to do what's right. Um, uh, and that's a lot of our science and technology has gotten it to the point where people who would have died hundreds of years ago can now live a, a fairly good life. And that's a good thing, but yes, there are downsides. Overpopulation is a problem. Um, how that creates a problem is that there's too many people and there's too many things and that can create a world of competition where a lot of us just don't feel like we rate. We don't feel like we want to go out there and be a part of things because it has grown so big. Um, and that's where I think a lot of stand-up comics are. There are people who um, are probably overwhelmed as a whole by um, just how big society is getting and never really felt like they were a part of things and didn't want to go be a part of that um, hyper-sophisticated, hyper-cerebral college, uh, you know, c- corporate uh, computer programmer type world, you know. Um, a lot of people just feel left behind. And so I think that's where some of our counterculture comes from. And I can relate to that in some ways. Um but yeah, just thinking about this world as a whole is very overwhelming. And so, especially as an empath. And so, um, 
let me take a look at my notes here. Um, I, I have some uh, places I want this. I don't want to get too off topic here. Um, so, so the world is a juggernaut and the world can often feel plastic or soulless. Um, and that can happen a, a number of ways. It can happen by seeing just how um, movies now aren't created by visionaries and renegades. They're made by committee think and corporate corporations like Disney. Uh, it tends to make the world feel more hygienic uh, and sterile and sterile, you know, and, and so a lot of people uh, who grew up in my era, they miss the, the grungy, dirty renegade qualities of uh, of old style movie making or or of gas guzzling cars versus these you know these new electric shaver looking electric vehicles and things like that you know so so there's always going to be a counterculture sort of resisting where our culture is going and yes I'm probably a part of that to an extent um but I'm also a futurist and so I I try to toe that line between appreciation for the future and getting our world uh, into a better uh, socioeconomic place where we have less carbon emissions, where we're saving the planet, where our technologies, we're removing ourselves from fossil fuels and our addiction to uh, the fossil fuel industry um, and start creating a world where, you know, we can start making the world a better place because yeah, there's just too many people on the planet and that's just the truth. And um, I think that in itself has made everything change you know like for example when i was in high school um there was mtv and they still played music and your musical taste was very simple either you were into rock and metal or you were into um emo alternative or you were into um r&b rap and hip-hop you know and there wasn't a whole lot of divergence from that nowadays um there's a million more options and while i believe that's a good thing um, it can, we as a society used to have what's called water cooler talk. Um, there was only three or four channels on the TV. So you would watch quantum leap and then you'd go to school or work the next day. And you would talk to your friends about that episode. Um, <clears throat> that goes into like fireside chats. There used to be, um, back in the day, uh, pr- the president would talk about, things he would have who was it i think it was was it truman would have fireside chats and those fireside chats was kind of like uh, assessing the state of the union it's assessing the state of the country and um everybody would get the same uh radio feed or televised feed and so everybody was sort of coming together in a way uh to sort of address the problems and so my point is is that as the world gets too big it gives us more choices, but it creates a lot of countercultures and it's creating such a bigness that um, no, no two people are alike anymore. There's a lot of uh, differences. And so that's a good thing, I think. But when you live in a world um, where you're searching for answers and you're searching for meaning and purpose and clarity um, and you don't have a ton of money and you're, you're searching for something that makes you feel um, like a part of this world without feeling exploited and um, – just crapped upon um you can get very discouraged in the get and that's where i think a lot of people are getting these days is that the bigness the juggernaut of this world is getting so big that we're all searching for answers and so that brings me to um another topic let me see if i've finished um 
So, so you kind of understand who I am. So what I am is an empath. I'm a former soldier. I'm a veteran. Um, and I wanted to reinquate with you that I'm a small town person. Um, but I'm also a, a big city person too. You know, I've lived in both, but I prefer the small, uh, town living. Um, but it can really grind your gears when you're looking for work and you're looking to better your life. Um, uh, what is my end game? My end game is to be uh, there for empaths, uh, to talk about the weirder side of life. And that could be anything weird from the paranormal to cryptids, um, but also anything weird at all in our socioeconomics. And that's why sometimes I talk about mental health and uh, life is because I want to talk about the weirder sides to things. So we as energetically sensitive people can sort of make sense of it all, you know, um, uh, the world being a juggernaut, it's a very, 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 very big place. And if you grew up in the city, uh, chances are you um, have very different sensibilities than somebody who grew up in the country. Um, your career path could be very different. You could be very much more sophisticated. Um, but we should learn to appreciate both. Um, uh, too many people, too many choices. Uh, so you guys, a lot of people nowadays are searching for clarity in a world where there's just too many choices. And so there's what's called minimalization, um, simplifying your life. People are getting to the point where they're tired of trying to buy their way into a better life. In other words, as you acquire money, um, we're buying, you know, clothes, we're buying, uh, cars, we're buying, well, I'm not, <laughs> but we're buying, we're trying to buy our way into a happier life. And a lot of people are finding that that's not creating a better life. It's just creating a more complicated life. And so there are entire movements now geared towards the simplification of life so that we can get to the crux of what life really should feel like. Um, and that as empaths is very important. So you may find that going simpler is better. Um, you know, I have a hundred and thousand t-shirts in the closet, um, and that could, you could say, complicate my life. But one thing that I do do is they're all black. <laughs> so any shirt I put on, I'm going to look the same. It's just my way of simplifying my life. Um, <clears throat> I do have other color shirts, but it's just for me, it works, you know. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Let me take a sip here, you guys. <clears throat> Sorry about that. But see, what happens is, as the world feels uh, bigger, uh, in some ways it can feel more exciting. And that's why people like moving to the city, especially in the old days. Um, but nowadays it oftentimes feels more plastic or soulless. And so that's where I think that tribalism comes in. You know, why are we becoming a, a more tribal society? Well, I think that has a lot to do with our politics <clears throat> and our uh our meet our televised media of politics. So the MSNBCs and the Fox news of the world has created a, a more tribal like thinking. And while I do believe there are some non-political people out there, the vast majority of us uh, decide whether we more believe MSNBC or we more believe uh, Fox news. And that creates tribalism. And, and um, that's where I'm seeing a resurgence of, um, misogyny and racism and things like that. And while I don't want to generalize because I don't think all conservatives are that way, I think the reason why our society is becoming more tribal is because 
um, a lot of the the old school traditionalist types of people uh, lean conservative because they miss the old days. They miss the easy rider days. They miss the all for nothing days because they it did feel more renegade. It did feel more grimy and dirty and and real. Uh, as society becomes fake um, and plastic feeling, um, where it feels like there's a you know uh, everything is possible but nothing is real. You've probably heard that old lyric. Uh, that's actually an old living color song. I'm dating myself, but, um, everything is possible and nothing is real. Sometimes it feels that way for me, even, um, where it feels like there's a million, um, people pulling towards us, um, emails, schools and institutions, uh, jobs, um, uh, you know, homeschooling, uh, self, uh, educating yourself, uh, at online universities, et cetera. <clears throat> there's a million people all p- tugging at us. And that's what capitalism is. Capitalism is a million, million, million th- people doing a million different things, and they're all trying to uh, pull on us to come towards them so they can make money. And some people do it with good intentions, and some people don't. Um, <clears throat> but I think that creates a world where it, there's a lot of pushback. And so the conservative movement, if I really had to dissect it in a way that's <clears> – <throat> real without uh, pointing out some of the more hateful aspects is that a lot of them are just looking to make the world feel the way it used to in the seventies and the eighties, because the times were just simpler and uh, a little more renegade, you know, everything nowadays feels um, committee think everything now feels sterilized um, and safe. Um, Everything feels, um, just lacking in grit, lacking in realness. And um, for you parents out there, you want the world to be safe for your kids. So we should all agree with that. Um, we want our airlines and travel to be safe, of course. We want our schools to feel safe. We want our um, all of our workplaces to feel safe. And so while the world is getting much more um, rigid in terms of laws and rules and um, it has to because the world is getting to the point where <clears throat> there's just too many uh, evil and deadly and dangerous forces out there that we, we have to protect our kids from. We have to protect ourselves from. And so I think a lot of people uh, uh, get into these countercultures because they want to feel like life is real again. And so, yeah, that's the thing. Like, <clears throat> I'm a technological person. I like computers and, uh, you know audio equipment and uh, TVs and streaming and all that. I, you know, how could you not these days? And well, Rebecca's parents don't, but most of us do, you know, um, but how do we make our life feel more real in times where every time we go on a line, we're going to Instagram or Facebook and it makes things feel like we make, we feel like shit about ourselves because there's a lot of attractive people out there. There's a lot of very fit people out there. There's a lot of uh, technologically advanced people with degrees out there uh, who are making good money. And then we have celebrity culture who are everything, you know, they're, it's everything in our zeitgeist. They, they're beautiful, they're talented, they're wealthy. And so how can regular people ever, ever uh, relate or, or um, feel good about themselves when that is what they're seeing every day? And so there are downsides to everything in our culture. You know, we have to get our schools safer, um, but that 
the downside is, is that it makes our kids uh, live in much more um, protected times. And that sometimes can uh, create a, a less real uh, living, you know. Um, so that's why I think it's good for us as people nowadays, whether you're a city mouse or a country mouse, um, to embrace technology, but to make sure to never lose sight of the fact that we are real biological organisms on a planet and that all that, all those movies and all that TV and all that stuff is great. But at the end of the day, we have to find our grounding. We have to find our center. And that center is usually grounded in anything that's real. And that could be, you know, camping and hiking and fishing and trees and um, swimming in lakes and uh, surfing and going to the beach, uh, beach walks, uh, hiking trails. Um, all that stuff is how we nowadays connect ourselves to uh, ourself and our priorities in a world where it's, it's so easy to for, forget where we are and who we are in a world that's just so profoundly uh, sophisticated and technological. Um, it can start to feel very plasticky, even for myself. And so, yeah, as a highly sensitive person, I recommend um, keeping it simple, you know, simplify your life in any way. Anybody who's just got too many choices, don't know where to go, don't know what to do, don't know who to be, uh, join the club, brother uh, or sister. Um, it It is hard to to know where to go these days. And so that's why I started this podcast, because um, when we moved up here, you know, I was working as a chef up until my wife and I got together. And that was when uh, the economy tanked. We had that big recession in 2008. And um, <clears throat> at the time, I was making pretty good money because I was working at the Army base, um, Army post technically. But, you know, we say Army base. Uh, but I was making good money out there. And then when that job ended, um, that was the the job I took to get away from cooking because it was all getting too ridiculous. Like I said, wealthy people, uh, these, these fancy restaurants, these big restaurants, uh, at the end of the day, they don't care about you. They don't care about whether you're making enough money. They don't care if you're having, um, long days and grueling hours and having to go home after a 13 hour shift and crying in your shower because you're in so much physical and emotional pain. Uh, that's, that was my life for a time. And, um, yeah, I was a pretty tough cookie, um, but you have your breaking point and you would have times where you just would cry it out because you just couldn't deal with all the 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 busyness. It was just too busy and it was, it was too dysfunctional and too much work and uh, it just overwhelms the soul, you know. Um, and so, yeah, so I got in, I got the job at the army base because I was getting away from cooking uh, because most chefs, they burn out, you know, your body breaks down, your uh, body, uh, your your soul requires more nutrition. It requires more simple living, and so yeah. So I think that's where we are as at a culture is we're at a place where um, it's the best of times and it's the worst of times. I think what book is that? Isn't that an old book? Yeah, um, but it is. It is the best of times and the worst of times. And so how do you? Make it yours and how do you make it feel right and how do you make it feel what you want? And that's, that's what I love about freedom is that you can, you can grow your hair out and live and pretend you're in the seventies and have bell bottoms if you wanted. Uh, or you could be super sophisticated and, and dress in three piece suits. <laughs> we have the freedom now to, to, to convince ourselves that we're in any 
time that we want. And I think the reason why we all miss the 60s and the 70s and the 80s or whatever is because they were simpler times. Um, but they weren't as simple as you might think. You know, I've watched a lot of documentaries recently uh, that take place in the 70s. Um, and I, and a lot of people talking about the times. And, you know, the truth is, is that the reason why we had the 60s um, hippie movement is because it was the disillusionment that people were feeling after feeling like they had to um, go to college and do everything right, like their parents. Uh, World War II created a, an industrial environment <clears throat> where everything was growing. The 50s uh, brought about this giant middle class um, security uh, where there was a lot of jobs and technological growth. And then the 60s came and that was sort of this uh, protest or or uh, revolt uh, because kids weren't feeling like there was any soul left to the world, that it was all just becoming so corporatized, you know. And then the 70s was sort of like the acid nightmare flashback of that 60s hippie movement because <clears throat> it was the late 60s where the Manson family sort of uh, bastardized uh, the peace movement into something that was ugly and, and it revealed something very telling about us that all that love and all the uh, peace and love uh, might not have been a real thing that maybe maybe we were just fooling ourselves maybe it's not real you know and so you know drug mind expansion became almost like a psychedelic trip nightmare and so when you see rob zombie movies for example what you're seeing is what's called um, psychedelic horror it's it's a it's it's all rooted in that late 60s early 70s disillusionment of the hippie movement and so that's what kind of happened is the 50s was a time of industrial and technological growth it built up the middle class the 60s became a time where um, the hippie movement uh, uh, where there was free love and peace and protest uh, t towards uh, war and, and and that's all good stuff in and of itself but then it kind of got bastardized into uh, <clears throat> you know just um People were uh, burning out from the hippie movement. They had to go somewhere. They had to get jobs. They had to cut their hair. And so what happened was, is that the 70s became a time of shortage and disillusionment um, from the 60s. There was a gas shortage. There was a lot of uh, socio-political strife. There was a lot of racial uh, inequality. And so we can we see a lot of that happen in the 70s. And then what happened is... Um, uh, as movies and technolo tech technology got better, um, our, our, you know, Ronald Reagan came to be, and that created an, a new movement of like the fifties, return to greatness, you know, rest restoration to greatness. Um, but there was always a cost to that greatness, and that was is that it was a material world and uh, it was superficial. That it oftentimes came at a price that. Um, it came. There was a lot of uh, social injustice and social and socioeconomic inequality, and so the '80s gave rise to all this materialism and technological prowess. Um, and then the '90s sort of became uh, the '70s again. It was a time of disillusionment after this big uh, corporate um, building of the middle class, because there's always a a cost to growth, you know, and that's the thing, and so. Here we are living in the year 2021. I uh, can't believe it. I can't believe I'm still here, you know, and 
I think we're all trying to figure out who we are and what we are and why we are. And um, gosh, I wish I had the answers. The truth is, is it's whatever you want it to be, you guys. That's the beauty of freedom. My advice to you is that if if you're depressed, if you are struggling uh, with mental health, if you're overwhelmed, or if you just feel like there's too much in this world for you to to be able to swallow, um, you can simplify it. You know, there are ways to simplify. And so I think that's the kind of the, the, the through line is that the fifties gave rise to growth, but it also gave rise to war. Um, the sixties was a protest to that. The seventies was sort of our disillusionment of that peace uh, movement because it didn't all quite go to plan. And then everyone went from uh, cocaine to Rogaine in the eighties and all the baby boomers became um, our, <clears throat> you know, they became our industrialists. They became the new wealth-seeking uh, yuppies, you know, the young urban professionals. Uh, and then that gave rise to more college and uh, college becoming a much more of a necessity than than a than an option. And then that gave rise to a lot of disillusionment in the '90s. And that's where you see the 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 '90s became a time of grunge. Grunge was trying to get back to kind of a hippie movement. You know, it was trying to get back to a time of, you know, we're really not uh, jiving on your 80s uh, materialism here. And so we, it was like dress in plaid and be a little stanky and dirty. <laughs> um, and what was cool, funny about that is that when I went in the military, um, I didn't have to change my army boots afterward <laughs> because it was all sort of, uh, it was all in vogue at the time, you know. Um but yeah, you know, it just got me thinking a lot about life in general. Um, let me look at my notes here because I do have a lot here. I just, I just don't want to ramble too long in one direction. Um, um, things feeling soulless, too many people, too many choices, simplify and minimize. Uh, the world is a juggernaut. Uh, my end game, um, reacquainting my audience, um, putting it all life all into perspective. Um, it's all about uh, how we process stress and how we see ourselves in this world. And so you may have depression or anxiety. You may have a problem living in these days because I think we're all disillusioned. You know, I think we're all getting tired of things. I think it's all becoming a little too much because that's the problem is that at the end of the day, we are biological animals and we don't like admitting that. We like to believe that we're um, godlike creatures, but we're not. We're just animals. And where we go after life um, is the great debate. Um, but who we are and what we are, um, some people are still living like it's, uh, you know, uh, 1982. And some people are living uh, very fancy lives like it's, you know, uh like it's, you know, the future, you know, and, and a lot of us, I think, live somewhere in between that, those two extremes where we, we live in cleaner, much more sterile and homogenized times, but we're all looking for something that feels real and feels grounded and doesn't feel fake. Um, and so that's where tribal camps end up going. Uh, our politics are divided. Our socioeconomics, it's very much the haves versus the have nots these days. And, um, and so the reason why I started at the beginning of talking about myself and where I was is that, yes, I grew up in the seventies. I grew up in the eighties. I grew up in the nineties, um, and two thousands and 2010. I've seen it all. And you at a certain point just feel like, Oh my God, what am I still doing here? Like, I can't believe I'm 47. 
I mean, because I still feel like that kid at heart, you know, and I still have all the same hopes and dreams as when I was that uh, youngster playing soccer all those years ago, you know. Um, And that's the thing I wanted. That's the through line of this episode is I wanted you guys to understand that we are all struggling to figure out who we are and what we are. And so when you when you get into a rut, when you feel like your job isn't right for you, when you start to feel like the world is just too much. Um, sometimes it helps to find community, you know, and that could be church gulp. Um, I hope that you would choose a secular community, but if church helps you, great, that's fine. You know, so long as it's not trying to program you into weird stuff, I'm fine with it. Um, uh, but, but at the end of the day, we're all searching for answers. We're all searching for meaning and purpose and clarity. And um, even myself, you know, it seems like, you know, you go on uh, and you listen to these podcasts and everybody's just got their little shtick, you know, and you, it makes you <clears throat> start to wonder, who are we becoming as a culture? You see the Joe Rogans out there. You see the celebrity culture out there. And I think there's a lot of good celebrities out there. But because we don't see a lot from our perspective, we see their wealth and we see their influence and affluence we don't see the part where they're being exploited just like us they're just getting paid a lot better than us you know what i mean so we're being exploited by corporations and our jobs they're getting exploited by hollywood and the hollywood juggernaut is exploiting them the way you know our jobs are exploiting us and we fail sometimes to see that because they are when they get wealthy then they have much more options wealth gives you options and so like this podcast for me i don't believe this podcast is going to make any money or get me wealthy anytime soon um so so then it becomes well what what are you doing brian why are you talking on the air do you have a big ego no it's not about ego i'm very humble in fact i'm quite self-deprecating at times um it it's about trying to find my empath tribe to find people like myself who might be over this world, who might be searching for answers, who might be looking for clues, um, and not just looking for clues as to a better life uh, and better living, um, but clues to whether or not the afterlife is real. And that's what the paranormal is for me. Um, it's all about searching. We're looking to find some a sense of clarity and purpose in this life. And I, I hate to tell you this, but it's not going to get simpler. It's only going to get harder and more complicated. And so what we have to do is we have to find jobs that make us feel good. And if you can't find one right away, you know, be patient, um, but keep searching. If you are the kind of person that likes the hustle bustle uh, world of corporate life, hey, there is nothing wrong with that. Um, but a lot of us uh, feel overwhelmed by that. A lot of us feel like, we're being denied job, uh, pay and promotions because the bigger ass kisser gets the cake, you know? And so sometimes that can work for some people. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, for me, I don't like, um, the injustice and inequality of this economy. That's what really grinds my gears is that I want to see regular people, uh, find more uh, opportunities in this world. And the way we have to do that is by shaping our politics in a way that forces corporations to start becoming more um, 
egalitarian and you know and how do you do that well we have to stop uh, paying ceos hundreds of millions of dollars we have to start taxing the rich their fair share it's not about punishing them it's about creating a world that everybody is pitching in and unfortunately we live in a world where the majority of the work is done by the middle class the struggling working class we're doing all the work and we're getting the least amount of benefit from that. And yes, it could make you jaded. It could make you counterculture. It could make you crazy if you let it. Um, and, and it has in the past. I, I've been a very frustrated individual for most of my life. Um, but I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed to tell you that. Um, life will make you feel depressed. Life will make you feel overwhelmed. Life will make you feel like life is unfair. And that, like I said on the uh, previous episode, learning that life is unfair and being okay with that um, is almost the hardest thing you can do in life. And, and, And I'm not saying we shouldn't try to shoot for systemic equality. We should. Absolutely, we should. We should fight uh, sociopolitically everywhere that we see uh, changes needed. That being said, when you live in a world where all your favorite people are celebrities and they're there's no way they would live like us. There's no way they could possibly live off of Taco Bell and 40 hour work weeks. They're not that way. They're not us, you know? And so how do we, um, find, uh, uh, how, how do we, uh, find, how do we, how, how do we become okay with that? You know, I, I love a lot of celebrities. I think they're good people, but, they're, they're not inviting me to their parties. You know, they're not, you know, if I showed up uh, on their doorstep, they're going to call security. They're not going to think of me as a friend. They have to, they have to protect themselves. You know, as you become famous, you become guarded. You have to guard yourselves from the world. And that doesn't mean that um, they aren't nice to regular people. They try to be, I think, um, but they're not going to solve our problems. It's easy to think that, these celebrities that care very much about politics are going to help us. Now, I'm glad they're getting political. I'm glad they're getting involved. You know, Will Wheaton, um, Mark Ruffalo, uh, a lot of them. There's a ton of people out there who are trying to help us regular folks. And I'm so glad that rich people see the problems and are trying to help. Um, but they're not going to help uh, in ways that you may think. And so we have to find ways of forming coalitions where people power creates um, the most amount of good for the most amount of people. And that's what it's about because we're never going to have a perfect society. It's just not going to happen, but um, it's hard. Life is hard. We're all searching. And so if you see that one day I'm hateful and angry and frustrated and negative, forgive me, please. You know, like I said, I will forgive you of your trespasses if you forgive me of mine. And that's because I do care about my audience. And the reason why I'm doing this is because I care about all these problems. Um, but we cannot do anything about them by ourselves. We have to form uh, mindsets and attitudes and coalitions that are going to address these problems in real ways. And the only way you do that, I think, is to eliminate all the noise out there. There's so much going on. There's so many attitudes. There's so many different ways to live. And so how do we all arrive at the same set of values, you know, despite our differences? 
And that's what this is all about. You know, that's, you know, I, I feel bad that I have to pick on uh, my religious or um, conservative people because it's not about bashing religion and it's not about bashing conservatism. It's about where those things are going. When you start to see the evangelical um, wing of the church leaning towards wealthy moneyed interests and Trumpism, you go, oh, something's off here. <clears throat> when you start to see um, our wealthy institutions uh, taking away our rights, raising our cost of living, and nothing ever seems to be getting better, it will bum you the fuck out. And so, yes, it's about finding um, clarity and purpose and finding people that don't have agendas. You know, and that's why I wake up depressed so often because I, I wake up and I want to believe that all these people are in my corner. And sometimes I believe that they are. And some days I believe that they aren't. And so those people like me that are addicted to deep meaningfulness, uh, we're just having a rough time out there, you know, because there's so much to get um, dis, dis, either distracted by or dissuaded by. Um, so anyway, so yeah, we have to find, simplify and find your purpose. And like I said, it's all about self-esteem. Um, <clears throat> you are good enough. You are an agent, uh, of good in this world, like everyone else, unless you're an agent of bad, of course, in which case, sorry, uh, hope I can change your mind, <laughs> but, uh, let me take a look here at my list here, you guys, um, the world, yeah, so the world has become hateful and tribal because of socioeconomics and sociopolitics. That uh, you've got uh, the, the, the conservatives that want to go back to the, the good old days. You've got the liberals who want a kinder, gentler society. And um, I think they're both right. So why does it have to be left-leaning or right-leaning? Why can't we have a forward-thinking, futurist society that also loves the past. You know, why can't we be a society that's less tribal? Um, I don't think all Trumpers are bad. Um, our flight, when we were flying on vacation, there was a Trump supporter in there wearing everything. He had the Trump sweater. He had the Trump hat. But, you know, he was so well-behaved. He was in the very last row right by the restrooms there, and he had his mask on, and he didn't cause any problems whatsoever. And I thought, that is all I wanted. I don't care that you're a Trump supporter. Um, I think you're a little misguided sometimes, but if you, if you, if there's something about Trumpism that is attractive to you, I get it because I think we're all attracted to, you know, strong men and let's make a better world now. And why are ever, is there, why are the liberals such pussies and why are we pussyfooting around? We got, we need strength, man. And I think they're attracted to that strength, but they just, it's misled. It's misguided because he's not a strong man and he doesn't have their best interest. And I don't think he's out to create a better society. So a lot of the times when you hear people say, well, Trump did this and Trump did that and Trump created change fast. Uh, no, he didn't. That's the whole problem is that they think telling their supporters that they quickly are creating a better society uh, and, and a better economy is akin to actually doing it. No, uh, that's the problem is that he was a liar. He, that whole movement is just one of, you know, of, of appealing to people's um, traditional minded sensibilities and, and trying to use that to, to weaponize that into a movement of his own power to 
uh, so he can create more power for the wealthy, for more power for himself, so he can concentrate his own power, he can concentrate his own influence and affluence, and that's what that was all about. And unfortunately, he took advantage of people's grievances, real grievances that deserve respect. And so Trump supporters, yes, they're a little misguided sometimes, but <clears throat> what makes them good uh, valid is their grievances. And I don't mean just white grievance or things like that. I mean grievances in general. We do need a more functional society. We do need more opportunities for regular people. And we do need better border security, for example. But we don't need a wall. It's not about hate. We need a functional border um, and functional immigration reform so that any person who comes to this country can get in with just a little bit of hard work, with a little bit of effort. Um, the ones that that mean well, that want to be here, should be able to. And for those who are, you know, criminal elements, they should be probably uh, filtered out, you know. And so I think we need that. But we don't need more guns at the border. We don't need big giant walls. We don't need all that anger and hate. That's the problem is that we need a more functional immigration reform so that it benefits not only uh, the white people who are racist, but it also helps Latinos so that they feel safer and that we can still be <clears throat> a country that takes in those poor and weak and huddled masses, you know, because we should be that way. We are America. We are the great melting pot. And White people, I think, are pissed about that. And that's unfortunate. It's really, truly unfortunate because I think what it is is Fox News gets them all angry about uh, how the country's turning into this big, giant liberal hippie fest. And it's turning into this big, giant, um, you know, place where uh, white men uh, no longer have the strength and the power that they used to. But that's that's only partially true. Uh, I, From my vantage point, uh, white Men are still running everything, <laughs> you know. Um, but the thing is, is that what we need is good jobs and opportunities for regular people, regular folks, not just white people, but everyone. And so I think their grievances are um, real, but sometimes they're just a little misguided because they don't understand um, the causal relationships, the causations of what are creating their um, angers and frustrations. Their anger and frustration is real, but they need to understand that, that these movements should be a movement uh, that uh, is bettering uh, not just life for white people, but bettering our society as a whole. And so um, it's unfortunate that our politics is the way it is now because we're just barking past each other. We're just rah, 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 left versus right all day, every day. And it's all about now, you know, uh, putting disinformation in its place. It's all about, you know, every day. What did the what did the conservatives say now? And what did and how do we, you know, fight that? You know, because the Republican Party, I think, wants to go back to better days. But who doesn't? You know, but we have to get realistic. We climate change is real. Um, uh, overpopulation is real. We all want to go back to lesser 
complicated times. We all want to go back to more traditional values. We all want to go back to a time when the earth was less populated. But guess what? We don't get to do that. There is no going backwards. And so instead of hoping that uh, the pandemic kills a bunch of people, we should hope that the pandemic uh, creates better policies. And so that's what I want to leave you guys with is what were some of the uh, unintended good things that happened um, because of COVID? And I think um, for for openers, um, I think Donald Trump would have absolutely won a re-election had he not botched the COVID crisis better, had he handled it better. He chose to pretend that it wasn't real. And then when it did become real, he chose to believe that masks don't work and he politicized the whole thing from the start, and that's where we're at today, still to this day, where people are very angry at our institutions. They're very angry at uh, our authority figures, and so what the right wing has become, in essence, is uh, they're against um, what they think is the liberal agenda, the new world order. So when they see us just trying to create a safer better society, what they see is their rights are being taken from them. And while I can see their point in some instances, um, we have a collective responsibility to better the society together. So if we have to wear a mask so less people die, then that's what we should do. If we have to get vaccinated because the science is sound, that's what we should do. And so while I understand their grievance, I understand them wanting to get back to simpler days. We all want to be cowboys at heart, you know, but Guess what? Those days are over, man. And so how do we become a society that is more sophisticated, but still uh, has a real feel to it? You know, and uh, I can't answer that for you. I can only tell you what works for me. And what works for me is, you know, like I said, grounding, going outside, um, uh, turning off the TV, reading a book, a physical book. Um, uh, there's a lot of different things we can do, but if you are finding that politics is all too much for you, if you're finding that the world is all too big and unfair for you, join the club, bro. I feel that way too. Um, but what we can do uh, is, is, is start um, refining and simplifying our life to meet our sense of what we need. If it's too complicated, then simplify it. If it's, you don't have enough nice things, make some nice things, put some nice things in your house. If you don't like your job, it's all geared off the fact that you have a job that you don't like, uh, that's exploiting you, where the pay isn't good enough. Then you need to start forming coalitions with people <clears throat> to start fighting for systemic uh, equality and better jobs and a living minimum wage, things like that. Um, but you don't have to become a part of the uh, echo chamber. You don't have to become a part of the right wing or left wing uh, anger hate machine. You, you can have your beliefs without uh, being hateful about it, you know? So, uh, so yes, the pandemic created, uh, Trump would have absolutely won re-election, I believe. Uh, in the background, you could probably hear my cat in the cat box. <laughs> Sorry, real show, real life. <laughs> oh, but um, he would have absolutely won re-election and that I think really would have been terrible for our economy. Uh, it would have allowed a corporatism and, um, uh, just corruption to, to, to blast off out of control. Uh, it would have created much more unfairness for regular folks. 
And I think they would have uh, just created just more systemic injustice and inequality. That's what I think. And they would have perpetuated um, much more angry and fascistic points of view. So the fact that uh, the pandemic stopped all that, I'm very grateful for. And uh, if you think differently, I'm sorry, but I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> um, the pandemic also stopped uh, production in Hollywood. I think that was a good thing in the sense that um, when life just keeps chugging along without a whole lot of change, um, things get out of control. And so it's happened in Hollywood, but it's also happened in our real world too. And so at first you see the hoarding of toilet paper and all that stuff. But but then once things equalized, it helped us see uh, the world for what it really is. When we're buying our toilet paper and we're working our regular jobs, we did not realize just how much and to just what extent we are ill-prepared for an emergency. And what does that tell us? What does that say? Well, it tells us a few things. Number one, it tells us that our corporations are taking all their money and giving it to their CEOs rather than creating um, responsible practices where they have, where they stockhold their products for an emergency. The fact that we had to bail some of these fuckers out in order to do their job when they're making millions of dollars shows you that they are mismanaging their own wealth. And when they mismanage their own wealth, sometimes it's the government, sometimes it's uh, uh, private corporations. But when they're mismanaging that wealth, it means that they keep coming to us to offset that. And so we, the, the consumer have to, or the taxpayer, have to keep paying them uh, for their fuck-ups. And so, and so that's where I think the Republican Party is right in the sense that they're trying to say, well, the reason why we don't believe in government is because when we put more money in government, you just misspend it. Except the problem with that is, is that yes, that's true, but you're getting paid gobs of money from that. And yet you don't want that. Like it, you have to be not a hypocrite in order for that to be a valid argument. Um, yes, we do need to take our tax holder, our taxpayers money and spend it wisely. But we have to have good roads and infrastructure and good and bridges and jobs and all that. And so, and that's what this whole thing is doing with uh, Biden. The reason why the Republicans are against it is and they call it a spending bill is because, oh, they, they call it, they think it's spending just for the sake of spending. But we, this country is massively lacking in infrastructure. We have trains that were built in the forties. We have um, rail systems that haven't been updated in forever. We have um, still uh, electric grids that are, massively underfunded um they blow down every winter um we have uh, above ground stuff that should be underground we have um uh ca cable and uh, internet that all needs a massive amounts of uh fixing and infrastructural support especially in some, uh, poorer areas and rural areas so this bill is a good thing the reason why the republicans are against it is because it gives a massive win for Democrats. We can't have that, you know? And so that's what's wrong with the two-party system is that two parties have many, 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 many types of points of view. And where the Democrats and the Republicans defer is that Democrats are a huge party tent. They defer with each other to the point of almost self-sabotaging themselves. 
whereas the Republicans have different points of view, but they all get together for the pursuit of their own main goal, and that is to win at any cost. And they're very good at that. They don't turn their backs on each other the way Democrats do. If you're a liberal, if you're a, um, a Democrat, if you're a um, just a little bit left of center, you have an obligation to, yes, of course, try to pull the party further left to become more progressive. We need much, much more progressive change, faster change, better change. Yes, I agree with you there. But we also need to stop shitting on centrists. That doesn't mean you can't stick it to uh, Kristen Cinema, uh, Kirsten Cinema, and um, Joe Manchin for their selling out because they are sellouts. They're they're accepting bribes and lobbyist dollars um, that's t- holding uh, progress uh, hostage. Those things are good. But if you're not willing to to vote for Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden because they're not your style. I get it. I get it. I wouldn't want to vote for them either, but I would much rather have a Joe Biden as president than vote for somebody who's not going to win, giving the win to somebody like Trump or worse yet, a Ron DeSantis in the future who's much smarter than Trump, who's much crazier than Trump, who wants to take Trumpism and and make it even bigger and scarier and more fascistic and more unequal and more radicalized. That's what we seek to lose. If we as left of left leaning people don't get our shit together and start understanding the, the need for compromise, we have to compromise where we can. There are some things we should not compromise on. We should not compromise on trying to pull our right-leaning country a little more towards the center. That is good, but we have to do so in a way where we don't sabotage ourselves because if you're so, it's a purity test. And if you're so pure as a concert, as a progressive that you um, are not willing to vote or not willing to compromise, we are going to lose and we are going to end up right back where we were again with a Trump 2.0. So be careful with that. Um, but getting back to the pandemic, the pandemic uh, slowed everything down, stopped everything. And now we're seeing uh, corporations uh, <clears throat> giving monstrous pay raises because nobody wants to go back to work for them because they're awful. <laughs> and I don't know whether or not they're going to change their practices or change their values or change the way they treat their employees. I hope they do. But at least we're at a point where Black Lives Matter, um, where uh, looting and rioting, while I hate it all, um, it's getting people to understand that um, the fiber of our society is dwindling and uh, it's a very fragile thing. And once you um, break down this society uh, into the haves versus the have-nots, it's only a matter of time that when you starve poor people, um, they're eventually going to eat the rich. And that's what happens. And so we have to become a society <clears throat> that's looking out for regular Joe job people. Um, because uh, when you only look out for the rich um, and, and, and depend on a top-down society, we've seen what trickle-down economics does. It trickles nothing but urine on us. They're trickling all right, but it ain't opportunity and it ain't money. So be very wary uh, in a society where corporations say they're going to take care of you. Oh, you don't need, uh, you don't, 
we'll take care of you. You don't, we don't need unions. We'll take care of you. You're just creating more problems than it's worth. Uh, bullshit. They're looking to exploit you. (laughs) So, um, you know, the, the pandemic, uh, uh, is now where I believe we're much more socially conscious uh, and socially aware of what's going on. And so we're, we're aware of the injustice. We're aware of the inequality. We're aware of the misogyny. We're aware of the race, uh, inherent systemic racism and things like that. And that's all a good thing. Um, and so the pandemic, yes, it, when world, the world is just chugging along year after year, decade after decade, and nothing really stops it, it, you start to see how, um, decadent we become, how wealthy we become, how privileged we become, how spoiled, rotten we become, maybe not as individuals, but as a society as a whole, as a Western culture. And so I believe what this has done is it's creating um, a much more understanding that we are ignoring the backbone of this country, and that is the working class. And so we have to create more opportunities. We have to create more fairness. We have to create a system where everybody's chipping in, doing their part. And so the pandemic for me, um, I think it was a really, it's unfortunate that some people died. It's unfortunate that some people got sick. Uh, that is all obviously tragic, but um, I believe there's a net gain to our culture as a whole from it than had nothing happened at all, because I believe that Trump would have won re-election. Uh, we would have gotten much more right-wing lunacy policies that are just creating less equality and creating more fascism and creating more autocracy. And we don't need that. And, and that is nothing against conservatism in and of itself. It's against a party that forgot how to fight for right wing, right leaning people's conservative leaning people's uh, best interests. They fool you them and they trick them and they, they get them all hopped up on, um, anger and frustration about social issues so they can continue creating a world that benefits them and not their constituency. And it's hard to explain that to conservatives in a way that they understand because they, they get so hopped up on, on these issues. Like it, like it matters. Like what do you care about Brown people for? You don't even live around Brown people for crying out loud. You live in fucking Wisconsin or, you know, or why do you get so, uh, you know, bent, p- pissed off at Biden when he's creating policies that are going to actually help you, what the hell did Trump ever do for you other than create tax breaks for the rich? You know, and it's just, it's hard. It's hard to get these people to unplug from their bullshit machine because they don't see it. Um, and while they're, the, their grievances are, are, are understood, they're also misguided, you know? Um, but anyways, yeah, at the end of the day, you guys, um, this world can feel mighty unreal and fake and plastic and unjust and unequal. And that makes us feel <clears throat> depressed and anxious. And that can overwhelm our senses. It can overwhelm our choices. And so everything we're doing in this world, yeah, it feels like it's a big juggernaut and it's all going crazy. But I think at the end of the day, what it boils down to is like myself, the reason why I I wanted to start this podcast about talking about the beginning of my life is who I was as a kid. I was a good kid. I meant well. 
I was a shy kid. Um, and then I came out of my shell and I got funny and I became silly and I was able to be silly in a comedic way. And uh, going back to my childhood reminds me of who I wanted to be then and who I want to be now still. And that is somebody who means well. I want to be a Boy Scout. I want to help people. I want to make a better world. And um, and I'm trying to get people uh, up to speed who maybe are getting bogged down by um, not seeing the bigger picture of everything, you know? Um, we all get, like, in our little uh, financial ruts. We all get in our spiritual ruts. We all get in our... Uh, emotional depression and anxiety ruts. And so at the end of the day, yes, I am here to address all those issues. But at the end of the day, if you want a better life, you have to start simplifying. You have to realize that it's okay to be depressed. It's okay that we're different. And it's okay to, um, to, to feel overwhelmed because we all feel that way. So now that you know all this stuff and you're all brought up to speed you can now use this society to benefit you. And how do you do that when most jobs are just looking to exploit you? Well, it means that maybe you'll take a part-time job while going to school, or it means um, using our technologies to start your own business, or it means um, you don't want to deal with any of this shit like me, and you want to become a comedian because you want to help people, and you want to make people laugh, and you want to make people feel better. That's what I want to do. I want to make people laugh. I want to make people smile. I want to pe- make people feel like there's somebody out there that understands it and understands them and gets it. <clears throat> and that's what it's all about. Um, I'm going to go over my list one more time. I think we're just about out of here. Um, searching for meaning and purpose. Uh, <clears throat> how to be successful in this economy. I don't have all the answers to that. Um I really think that this is a gig economy. That means that you have the power to start your own business. You have the power to start your own influence like me. You can be an influencer. You could be a YouTuber. You could be a podcaster. <clears throat> you could be um, an Etsy uh, making little things. Um, you could do a lot of different things. I, I don't have all the answers. If I did, you guys, I wouldn't be a comedian. Um talking about sad shit all the time on a podcast. <laughs> That's I- ironic. Uh, why is this uh, comedian bumming me out so often? <laughs> no, but it's about getting to what's real. That's what it's all about. It's about finding who we are and what we are and what we care about. And um, <clears throat> I don't have all the answers. What I will tell you, uh, to summarize everything that I just spoke about, um, we live in a world that used to feel very materialistic. And then for every decade, there's a a culture, the pre, the next decade creates a counterculture to that. Um, and that's going to probably always be the case. Uh, and now that the world is so big and so functional and yet still so dysfunctional simultaneously, we have the best of times and the worst of times coming at us. That's going to feel soulless. That's going to challenge your emotions. It's going to challenge your heart. It's going to challenge your spirituality. Um, and I don't, want to give you the answers because your answer is going to be different for you. Because if you want to be religious and need that uh, clarity uh, and, and, and heart, um, that is okay with me. That's fine. That's a, that is your choice. I myself am a secular humanist. I'm secular in that I'm not religious, but I'm a humanist in that I really care about making the best of this life right now 
and not waiting for the afterlife, not waiting for a time that may or may not even be there because I don't know whether or not the afterlife is as profoundly real as they make it out to be. And so that's what the paranormal is all about is finding a society that um, uh, trying to understand the dynamics of energy, understanding the dynamics of is there an afterlife and to what extent. And if there isn't an afterlife um, or if there are ghosts, does that mean there is an afterlife? You know, that's, that's the big question. But at the end of the day, you guys, I get sad I get overwhelmed. I have a million different sides to me. Sometimes I'm going to come off like a real jerk, real negative, real frustrated. And other times I'm a lover and I'm a peaceful uh, statesman. I want, I'm a diplomat. I'm a boy scout. I'm a soldier. And, um, and you probably will see that you have all those qualities too. Um, it's easy to get mad at people that aren't in your place at that time. And that's what I'll end with is that the world, we've we've all been uh, struggling ever since the beginning of time. And um, we have the benefit now of having good technologies and functional systems, but sometimes that makes the world feel a little less fake or a little less real and a little more plastic and a little less functional because we don't feel like we are ever going to succeed at it. And so all I would say is use this world as it really is to your benefit. So that means you've got technology that you can use that technology at whatever capacity you're comfortable with. Uh, If you feel like there's too much technology for you, then step away from it. Or you can use the technology I use it for by watching Knight Rider and allowing me to go revisit my past. So it helps sort of recharge my soul to recharge my batteries when I'm feeling like, this world is becoming too whatever, you know, um, we're all jaded. We're all sick of things. We're all upset and we're all different. <clears throat> and so we're going to have to get used to that and start playing along and start getting together. And at the end of the day, that's what being an empath is all about is that, yes, there are going to be times where I'm going to sound like a misanthrope that I don't like people. But at the end of the day, that's not who I want to be, who I want to be. In my heart of hearts, when I wake up every morning, I wake up uh, with kind sensibilities. It isn't until I become stressed out and overwhelmed and dismayed and and discouraged that the empath starts turning into the soldier and I start getting that stress, that tension, that frustration uh, pen, gets all pent up inside of you and it comes out in, in ways that sometimes aren't always so um, positive. Hold on, sweetheart. <laughs> My cat scratching at the door wants to get out. Um, hold on, baby girl. I'm almost, Daddy's almost done. <laughs> so, anyways, I'll let you guys go. But you see what I'm saying? Um, the world, man, it is very overwhelming, and it will discourage you. And um, everybody's answer is different. Everybody's life is different. And so, all I would say is that if you're a kind and gentle person and you need clarity um, to simplify your life and keep it quiet, keep it small, keep it personal, the TV you watch, the, the movies you watch, the music you listen to, uh, make it um, meaningful for you, personal for you. Um, uh, that means get away from the music that, that doesn't appeal to your sensibilities. It's all about gravitating towards uh, sensibilities that are are. are going to allow you to better yourself, to make you a better, stronger, 
uh, more functional human being. Um, because I think we live in pretty good times. Um, it's not the best of times, uh, but it's not the worst of times. And yet it is the best of times and it is the worst of times. If you know what I'm saying, it's the best and worst of everything. And so we have to create a world and uh, create a life for ourselves that means something to us. Um, and so if you're lacking um, joy, if you're lacking humor, seek joy and humor. If you're lacking peace, seek peace. If you're lacking friends and friendship and celebration, find it. I'm always lack, lacking um I'm always gravitating towards wanting to uh, grow my empath tribe, to uh, to expand my thinking, to expand my consciousness, and to find my center, my soul, my heart of hearts, the kindness and decency within me. Um, <clears throat> and 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 some days I'm like fuck people, <laughs> and other days I'm like no, it's it's you know the world is what it is, Brian. Sometimes you just have to be an observer of it, and you know it's it's hard, it's easy, like George Carlin says that he he's an observer of the world, <clears throat> that he doesn't participate in, he just observes. Um, it's easy to do when you have money. You know, <clears throat> for us who don't have as much money, we uh, try to be observers, but sometimes we can't help um, having to participate in it. And um, and that can become discouraging. And so all I would say is, is that um, if you can find a way to um, work just enough to... Um, Realize your dreams and keep a, 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 your home life private and small and personal and your business life. Uh, make it um, as meaningful as you possibly can. And if it's not working out for you, please slowly but surely find and take the steps necessary to get to where you want to be. Because like me, I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to be a fancy pants. Um, I want to keep doing radio. And I want to keep using my voice to help people. And I want to keep using um, <clears throat> technology to my advantage so that I can continue uh, being myself in a world uh, that, yeah, is getting big and um, not always so functional, not always so polite, not always so kind. But um, keep your tribe of people like yourself around and uh, the world will feel kinder. I, I promise you that. I don't have all the answers. I, all I know is that um, I see it all. I see that's the thing about empaths. We feel everything. We see everything. We're so aware. We're hyper aware. We're super meta. Um, and then we have to process that and somehow refine that into some words, into thoughts that are meaningful and impactful for other people. And that's what I'm trying to do for you. Um, and everybody's solution is different. Everybody's thinking is different, but I think it really boils down to um, getting back to your childhood, deconstructing your childhood and your roots and who you really are, and then finding who you really want to be. And if you're um, working a job or doing something in life that uh, is overwhelming you, finding ways to slow it all down, to quiet it down, to quiet the noise and clutter in your life and in your mind and in your thinking and then creating a life that you can feel proud of, that feels real to you, because it does start to feel a little too clean, a little too plasticky out there. Um, everything is possible, and yet nothing is real. But it's only as real as we make it. And so that is my final thoughts, is that make life feel real for you. Whatever you got to do, um, you know? So thank you for uh, joining me today. I will see you guys uh, one more time this week. And uh, we will talk 
uh, about the paranormal, and we will continue fighting for impasse, and we will continue fighting for good mental health and robust living in times that don't always want to allow it. Thanks again for joining me on Surviving Empathy Podcast <laughs> at Chef Y Comedy. You can reach me at all of my podcast uh, sites, all my social medias, or you can just Google me, Surviving Empathy Podcast, or simply search uh, at Chef Fry. Oh, that's B-R-Y. Thanks, you guys. See you next time.